graveyard loomed in the growing twilight. The day quickly vanishing behind the horizon. Only a smoky glow remained, battling back the coming of night. Amongst the gravestones, many angels stood, covered in moss, details fading from rain and years. A small gravel path led through the headstones. Across this path, Olivia Kelly and Vesper walk. Olivia, you have your coat pulled tightly around you as the warmth of the sun fades. You wish you could close your ears to the world, as beside you, Vesper's breaths grow more and more ragged in hitching gasps. Like a patient in a hospital bed, slowly giving up hope on anyone being beside their bed for when they pass. I've never seen anything like it. By that stage, you had passed out in a pool of your own blood. Weaver and I had become one again. We were fighting for our lives. It's, it's been a long time since we had felt that way. Even with Bates, it wasn't the same. We were scared. We clashed with it. I put all the power I could, and so did Weaver. And we cracked the very earth. A great break. A crack in the world. Ten meters long, five meters deep, two meters wide. And it barely took a step back. It just grew back and went at us again. We were getting tired. By that stage, the thing had put down its weapon. It was just fighting us with its bare hands. It knew it didn't need a weapon. We decided the explosive force wouldn't do. We needed precision. Maybe if we destroyed its brain, it would stop. So we stabbed forwards, channeling all our power into the tip of our blade. He grabbed it, quick as a flash and snapped it. I crafted that sword as a young man. Same with the knife. I etched the symbols myself. And there it lay. We'd never face something like that. But then it happened. I never told you. You see, we were stunned. I've never seen anything like that happen, and it grabbed us. We were frozen to the spot, and with his bare hands, he tore me out of Weaver and threw me aside. With his bare hands, he tore the soul out of a man. Nothing can break the bind that easily. He threw me aside, he hefted up his scythe, and he said, I expected more. And by that stage, Weaver had finally 
broken from his shock and locked up at the creature. I only just got to my feet. I was running, but I couldn't make it in time. You know, Weaver, he wasn't really a man of many words. But he said something then that stuck with me. He said... Go. Bring it to a close. I have suffered enough and caused enough suffering. But let it be known. I will greet you in the depths of hell that you crawled out from. You walk in the realm of man. So the race of man will destroy you. An equal will crush your head beneath his heel. That is the way of the world you plunder. Monsters will always be slain by those they prey upon. And you killed him. Tore the mask from his severed head. And I felt a pain in my chest. It's never gone away. The rot. It started that day. It's gotten worse and worse. It affects me at all times. I can't think. My brain is clouded by just the constant pain. I'd hoped that I would last out a year, maybe. But it seems it was not to be. I have something to show you, Olivia. I can't go without you knowing. Without showing you who I really am. You come to a gravestone. It's a rather common gravestone, but above is a strange-looking gargoyle. It's made of marble. It doesn't look much like the typical types of gargoyles. It doesn't have the details, the kind of demon-esque details. It looks much more just like a common man crouched above the stone. Its name has long since been decayed with rain. It seems the gravestone was rather cheap. But over the ground before it is a concrete plate. Vesper steps up to it, towards the middle of the plate. He kneels. Hello, old friend, he says, before punching through the concrete and pulling it off the grave, revealing a hole to an empty grave. He jumps in and retrieves a small wooden box from the earth. He climbs back up and places it before you. It has a lock on it, but not similar to any type of key lock. He takes the hunter's blade from you and presses it into the lock. The runes ignite, he twists it and unlocks, and he hands it towards you. She takes it. You creak it open, and inside is an old textbook titled... The Continued Grand History and Orthodox Teachings of the Hunter Clan, Gigantus Genus, by Enoch Ilios, founding brother of Tyr. Tacked onto the back is a smaller notebook, woven into the other. It reads, 
continued study and emulation of orthodox teachings into the modern world. Norman Weaver and Gladius Astro, founders of the Stoker Society. In here is a smaller list of the core teachings of the larger book, distilled down into the core important details, with small revisions and the introduction of some new ideas. It basically lists the core attributes of a Gigantus Genus party. A hunter, a pathfinder, a bulwark, a herbalist, a stalker, and finally, Norman's own creation, the Hellraiser. There are a few smaller documents, lists of hunts, the costs associated and the payouts a few notebooks of recipes the group created for healing drafts and more. And then lastly, a picture. This is a decaying black and white picture that shows the Stoker Society. Vesper crouches next to you and smiles. There we are. I was towards the back. Never much liked being the face of it all. That was much more Gladius's focus. He points to a young man at the front. He was our herbologist. Absolutely incredible. A genius in his field. We met as young boys when we interned at Ilios together. Ilios was similar to Tyr and the agency. It's not around anymore. He discovered my lineage, my history, and we sought to continue it. Especially when I learnt of our war with the forefathers. How it cost my people so much to protect the world. I knew it was my duty. But something you don't know. The war with the forefathers was very much on the back burner. After the massacre at Mercy, thousands of years before, they were all but eradicated. For those generations after, our focus were the witches, an entirely different race. They were a far more continuous threat. We had killed them off, at least that's what our history book said, but it cost us so much. To destroy them once and for all, to kill Baba Yaga and her forces, it cost us our homeland. The great castle of Philidae. They toppled it and burned our great libraries to the ground. All our history, all our records, it's all gone but what lies in this box. That's a lot to sacrifice. And I mean, we didn't even. Well, we didn't even really stop it. Now there are witches. The basics of it is... No, oh, I'll get into it. You see over there, he points to another. That's Sean. He was our bulwark. Originated from Scandinavia. A teller of all truths. And Theodore, the very first Hellraiser. Experimental creation by me. A way to revolutionize the hunter party system and bring it into the modern age. 
Vesper stops pointing out the different members. And he just looks at the paper. You know, I could never admit to myself for the longest time. But Bates and I are the same man. We wanted the same thing and it drove us to the same place. I killed every last person in that photo. You see, there's at least a dozen people here. I did. Not Weaver. Me. It was the last thing I did as me. Before I became the Weaver you knew. My whole life I'd been nothing. And then I found I had this history. A legacy to uphold. And it slowly drove me mad with pride and greed and desire. My people were powerful and I wanted that power. Gladius and I hunted for years for more hunter relics. If only I'd known how many of them were in Mercy's Creek. We've made life a lot easier. But everything changed when we encountered a witch. My people had eradicated the witches, but unlike ours, their teachings and their influence lived on. Witches are people who have fallen to the temptation, fallen to dark magic. And the words of the witches, they become ensnared. All they desire is more power. And that always leads them back to trying to bring the witches back. Trying through the darkest and most despicable methods to bring them. Now, not all magic falls under this threshold. There is the school of academic wizardry. This falls into a different camp. As academic focuses, um, but most importantly, have been focused around books. You see, in this realm, in this layer, magic is a doomed thing. It's a cursed thing. Doomed to die. Magic as a whole only has a limited lifespan. Because the act of using it has a cost. For the witches, it costs them personally. The act of using magic slowly destroys their soul, their mind, and their bodies because they're drawing it from themselves. It costs them their personality, turns their blood to poison. For the school of wizardry, the knowledge is doomed to die. You see, wizards draw upon books. With every casting of a spell, it damages the pages until eventually it destroys the book. Now you can draw on it through thought and mind, but this is getting into dangerous territory. And the act of creating new spell books moves into dangerous territory too. It is a school of thought and an art that is doomed to die out. But alas, I digress. We battled the witch in a cornfield and before I plunged my sword into her chest, she whispered something to me. She said that all I seeked was buried in England. That she could show me the way. And I believed her. So I sliced off her head and I put it in a jar. 
told Gladius about it, and he concurred that it was dangerous but worth the attempt. We filled the jar with a potion of Gladius's creation, reinvigorated the decaying brain, and allowed it to speak for some time. It guided our party to the great castle of my people. And in the depths, in the darkest dungeon, through a door that could only be unlocked by a hunter's blade, held by a true heir, I found it. That accursed sword that Emily now carries. I took up that sword and the effect was instantaneous. But it grew. Oh, how the power grew. How it infested me over weeks and weeks. I was so strong and I could do hunts on my own. Everyone else just slowed me down. It worked so quick because all the building blocks were already there. I was already that man. It just needed a little push. I'd lie awake at night listening to the persona as they dug deep into my mind and told me of my potential. In my defense, why should I think poorly of my ancestors? Why should I think that they did not desire my best? I was blind. That's why Bates and I are the same. I chose history. I chose my people. I chose having a place to belong. A legacy over everything else. And I killed everything in my path that defied me. Starting with Gladius, my dearest friend and brother. I sliced him to pieces. Without Weaver, I don't have much time. So I should leave tomorrow. Tomorrow night. Where will you go? I'll carry my own hunter's blade and I shall go. For only a short time, before I turn into a monster like the persona before me, I intend to use it. I intend to use that time. I intend to use that power. I intend to hunt him down and use whatever I have left to try and kill Bates once and for all. I'd moved on, I'd left it behind, but I am the last hunter and he is the last forefather and he is my responsibility. And in truth, I think he's the only one that could actually destroy me, that could actually end all this. So let it be me or him. It's the only way it can be. And what if it's not him? Then I can rest and I don't need to be a monster for the rest of eternity. And what if it is him? Well, no one's been able to find him. So he is remote and he is far. And hopefully the hunter's blade can fall upon the ground and never be picked up. And what am I supposed to do without you? There's a reason why I wanted you to keep doing this. To build people around you. I mean, Amelia's getting back from her surgery. 
You have people, Olivia. You have a party. You have a future. I have a future, but you are... You are the one that got me through my past. And the past is past. I can't lose another person, Vesper. that you say goodbye to me as I am and not see what I will become. Because you, no matter how dear you are to me, you are not Emily Bell. You can't contain me. (laughs) And even if you could, those persona are poisoning her mind every day. They are clawing at her spirit, at her soul. They are dragging her down. One day, I don't want that for you. I understand. And I will miss you. I'll miss all of you as well. What do I tell them? What do I tell them? pull back from the graveyard.
next morning, we find Hickory and Hope in the garage of the house of many faces with Heath and Hugo as the two of them are spending their Sunday afternoon working on a 1970s Dodge Charger 500. Heath is attempting to fix one of the doors which doesn't latch properly and just bangs open. What is Hugo working on? Hugo has uh, most of the carburetor. Yeah, he's he's pulled the carburetor off because it, it's, it's working but not as well as he'd like. So he's pulling the top off and he's like, I thought we were done, but I guess I'll... Just, I feel like it's not quite... When it's cold start, it's just not quite pulling enough air. Heath stands up. It is done. He swings the door and it bangs back open. Shit! Well, it's also not done because I've got this in my hand, not in the under the bonnet. I want to be done with this thing within the decade that we bought it. <laughs> all right, all right. Look, pass me that spanner over there. He chucks it to you. He looks to hope. We pulled our money together, me, him, and Donovan, and, well, I guess Darnell threw in, like, a hundred bucks or something. That was a lot. It was for a him. lot for him. At the time. Um, we pulled all our money together, and we bought this piece of shit clunker. And it's never worked. And it's never no, worked. Not properly, anyway. Um, okay, careful. <laughs> what's Hickory doing? Uh, he, the club box, every time you open it, it falls out. So he- <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to figure out how to screw it in without bolting it shut. Hope, can you pass me that other spanner? Uh, the ten mil? No. Okay. The other one. The other. This one. He's like, he's not looking at you because he's trying to hold something. He's like, just got his hand. He's like, the other one. All right. No, the other one. That was the ten mil. Better. Ah, we go. Um, Heath has now turned his attention to the the bucket of um, changed oil. The I'm not, he's like I'm not going to say who did this. It shouldn't be green. Shouldn't be this color. And did you have to drop the nut in it? No, I didn't mean to. I was you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> damn it! <laughs> you got me, Heath. You got me with that one. Um, anyone volunteering to get it out? It was Brock. <laughs> Oh, not right. Hickory! Go for it. Hickory! Oh, it's bubbling. <laughs> yeah, there are chunky bits in it. You don't know why there are chunky bits in it. It's like a sickly, like, black-green color. Like, when you put what? your hand in, it's like reacts to, like, your just, like your hand being in there. It starts to change you color. You feel the oil, like, swimming around your fingers. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let me just get the lid back on this, and then we can put it back in. Is the lid? Is the lid the right word? Probably not. Uh, the top, the case, the outer... The lid. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah. Tightens it up, hands it over. There you go. He slams the door again and <laughs> bounces back open. Almost. You're almost there. Afternoon tea, I think. <laughs> all right. I'll be with you in a minute. I'll just get this bolted back in. Okay. So all of you have been staying in the house for several months at this point. I'd like for we'll go around the t- uh, table. I'd like for each of you to give me some level of description about the house, be it your rooms, be it general areas, stuff that's you know customized, uh, all that type of stuff. What's something interesting that you've all found is often you'll be like talking about how you wish you had like more room to put something or something like that, and then like a week later you'll be walking along and you swear there's just a new door. Le- that leads to just a brand awesome. new room. And it's just like, oh, this is exactly where I needed that other piece of, like, thing to go. So tell me, like, what's what's changed that has allowed you guys to kind of make this place more home? We'll go... Caleb. Yeah, 
Uh, I've got uh, two things on mm-hmm. my mind. Uh, I think the first is uh, initially, immediately after moving in, uh, the room that they dedicated for Ward is now just dedicated to his ravens. Yep. It's got a little hatch it's in torn the door. Apart the bed. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just feathers everywhere. It's just, it's, it's grown smaller somehow, the room. Um, <laughs> There's like a nice access to get out from the window. The door's got a hole in it for them to fly into. Uh, very cozy, very wonderful for a raven. Uh, acceptable for a scarecrow. Uh, abhorrent for anyone else. Uh, for Ward specifically though, uh, a library has appeared and uh, Ward is now on a small side journey tangent quest to learn how to read uh he's he's trying to learn how to read without without help he's trying to is the library just entirely children's books like the very hungry caterpillar it's, it's, it's not <laughs> just, just like that. easy readers uh, it's it's uh Geronimo stilton it's a bunch of like children's books is probably half of it uh beginners like beginner's guide to reading uh snuck into vespa's collection He's also definitely <laughs> snuck into Vespa's <laughs> magazine collection. No! <laughs> um, he's taken those. He, yeah, he has the Women's Week in the garage with the car. He's like, oh, I've, I found a car manual. Now, if you look at the oh, that's not a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Good no. bit. Uh, no, I, I think it's mostly storybooks of all varieties, kind of scaling from one side mm, of nice. Dr. Zeus level easy to like... Uh, the Iliad and War and Peace on the other side of the library. I will say the Iliad and the Odyssey are very easy to read. They're not like language-wise. They're not that tricky. So maybe we'll get this ballpark. Especially if you get the <laughs> kids' version. <laughs> the kids' version. The, uh, the the illustrated kids' version. Oh, so good. Illust- anime Bible. Anime Bible. <laughs> anime Does he Bible. have an anime Bible? I, I think how Mega it Bible. works is whatever topic. That he, is a real thing, by the way. If anyone's wondering, whatever topic he he wants to learn more about, that he's trying to read more about. Does learn. he watch the anime first, or does he? Like, is he a manga reader? He's a manga reader. <laughs> yeah, respectable. Uh, he can't watch the anime. <laughs> the blinking lights. No, I are think too whatever much whatever topic or thing he's interested in is just inexplicably. No, it's like I can't. There I can't watch the, the anime. I don't have eyes, but. But Ward, you're reading. It's fine. No, I'm learning how to read. I can't watch. Don't be ridiculous. Words aren't pictures. Yeah. Moving on. Meg. I'm sorry. I didn't realise I was here. I thought I was still in the graveyard. No, this is the next day. This is the next morning. Okay. Um, I think come back to me. We can go to someone else while you're eating. Yeah. Yeah. My good sir, Hickory, could I have some more tea? Absolutely. All right. All right. BJ, you turned that. I was going right. to uh, Ebenezer's room, um, it was one of the larger ones when they moved in. Like, uh, you know, they were just kind of allocated randomly. But his was a little bit bigger. It was maybe like the size of this room we're in now. So, you know, big enough for a couple people. Um, and over time, it's, it's strange. It seems to have gotten smaller. Um, because it's. Uh, I think the, the original theory was... Give Ebenezer a larger room for all these specimen jars and, you know, his plants and all these things. So he had a big room with a couple of windows and everything, like big bay windows. Um, and it, since his collection of specimens has been growing larger and larger, um, he his room has become much smaller. He's now in a much smaller room. Uh, it's just got one little window. It's got a little walking space between the bed and a little, um, like, bureau desk with a fold-down top where he's just got a couple of plants and things in little pots. Ferguson is up there. Um, 
and he's got lots of book, like leather-bound books and writings, and pretty much all of his specimens have been either moved outside or there's like a greenhouse conservatory at the back of the house that's been basically torn out to <laughs> accommodate all of his various uh, specimens. There's cabinets and stuff there. So his room is very... Yeah. Very tiny and cramped, and he really likes it that way. I feel like your room's gotten smaller, but now like a small, like one of those like foot wide balconies with the, the metal balances has appeared yeah. now. And, and so that's it, like glassed in. Yeah. Yeah. Like out a different door. Yeah. yeah. And so now you just put heaps of stuff out there. Yeah. And the, the view from his, um, from his window in his room is just a really nice lavender bush that's just the right height where the lavender heads are just kind of poking up. Yeah, you're um, doing a little bit of work in here, and you you look over and you peer over because you're in the England location. The sun you always see, comes in in the morning. <laughs> you see the neighbour next door, um, and he's like gesturing at you to like open the window. You see, he's a he's a youngish guy. He's like 25 or something like that. Has anybody ever talked to this guy yes. before? Yes. Okay. <sighs> all right. All right. Opens the window. Morning. Hey, <laughs> Morning. Tries to chuck like a baseball through to you. <laughs> Smashes the like the window. <laughs> Toby didn't mean that. <laughs> Morning, Toby. How you doing, boy? I'm all right. How are you? Nah, yeah, I'm good. So, so what's happening? Lovely sunny the morning. The are happening, my dude. You gotta come happening. over to one of my, you know, my little the parties. I thought he like points to like over something in the backyard. I got one of those those. Yeah. <sighs> Is that a space hopper? No. Is that a space hopper? No. That's a space hopper. What's a space hopper? It's one of those. Like- or is it just a yoga ball and you've taped handles to it? Yes. <laughs> That's. I thought we could ride it together, bro. Right. Well, Toby, can it's I? Got ha- two handles. Can I ask you a question, Toby? Does anyone else ever come to your parties? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've put on six, man. I'm starting to feel a bit disheartened. Ebenezer uh, has said no to Toby every single time he's tried to hang out and he's just shaking his head. This man, he shoots through like a, a paper airplane. Stop throwing things at me. He's got an invitation on it, bro. He catches it. Go party next week. And says, please come to my house. (laughs) 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 He looks. looks, How old is Toby? 25. This is 2003, so a single person can afford a a London townhouse. He looks down at. (laughs) P.S. Bring girls. Please come to my house. Please bring girls. (laughs) Please bring girls. (laughs) With two L's and one Z. And then he looks longingly at his like really neat running writing, the notes he was making. Send it back, bro! He climbs out the window, climbs over the fence. Yeah! <laughs> right, and we just see him moving off in the distance. <laughs> Toby, like, gets on the quote-unquote space hopper, like, rips the thing up, falls upside down. Oh! Ooh. It's all right, I've, I've got something for that. I'll patch you up. Slipped a disc, bro! <laughs> the yoga ball explodes. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> The camera slowly pulls back in the window, <laughs> clinking over the glass as the cameraman's footsteps step on the glass. <laughs> okay, Hope, to, to give me some things about the house. Um, there is a sunroom now that looks out over the garden, and Hope's kind of taken that now as her drawing room. Mm-hmm. Like she lets others come in, um, but there is a peace lily in the corner that she has slapped a sticky note on that says, Ebenezer, back off Hope's plant. And it's dying. 
but she's determined. It took her like a month, but he was like, all right, all right, I won't touch it. <laughs> Still sneaks water in every now and then for it. But she's determined to keep this plant alive. She's seen all of his. She no, the, so desperately wants to she's, keep her it's like alive. A, it's a um, cactus or a succulent or something, so she's yeah. drowning it. Like She's like, I'm watering it every day. Yeah, I don't I, know what's I, wrong. I'd like to suggest that she is... Uh, watering it with like energy drink because she thinks that that will make it grow faster. <laughs> yeah, electrolytes no, are great. Do that. Yeah, no. Gatorade. Electrolytes, right? If it's Hugo good said that hickory. electrolytes and minerals are good for me, <laughs> and Doritos are bad for me. So, just anytime Hickory gives her a BB, she just pours it into the plan. <laughs> <laughs> mm. You're old enough, right? Use yourself for me. Tastes like shit. <laughs> I keep buying them though. But yeah, no. Um, so yeah, the sun room is basically now her drawing room, and there's a couch that she's got like set up for everyone to come in and read. Because now everyone's reading in this house apparently, except her. But yeah, glass mm-hmm. room. Hickory. Hickory. Uh, as the camera makes its way up the stairs, you hear a. Um, and Pub? Uh, <laughs> uh, Please. Up in a room there is now a billiards room <laughs> as Amazing. a pool table and Hickory spends a lot of his time practicing Please tell me there's a bar in this room Of course there's a bar It's got tap It's <laughs> just one, one shelf with a bottle of Jameson That's it <laughs> That's right I have an yeah, come to the bar, my, guys. Uh, it's got some red solo yet, cups. But there's, uh, there's one drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I need. We're just <laughs> ma- using magic to make these rooms appear. That, no, the house is doing it itself. Oh, gosh, wow. Yep. One time, Hickory was just, I'm bored. I need some. Hickory spent like three days just wandering around like, got nothing to do. And he just walked into like a new door. Like, oh, <laughs> this looks good. <laughs> Hi. What okay. Yeah. Very good, very good. Yes. Nice. I will also say that now you guys have done like a handful of jobs. Since the last job you guys have been doing, there's been a bit of an epidemic in London of uh, soot mites, which are these creatures that live in um, chimneys and they are block these it up. Are from no, no, like things, no, kind of. They no. they block up the the chimneys and they make the smoke go into the house and suffocate the people within it. So they're really annoying, filthy jobs because you need to climb up the chimney. So you all get back entirely black. But all you guys right, are making Lord. like decent money now, so you're you all have a fair bit of your own kind of spending money as well. Nice. It's like you know if there's any if there's any filmmakers listening to the podcast. It's like it's like your weddings and funerals. You know, it's like yeah, it's literally the that. most. It's- fun but they're consistent and they pay well and they're easy there's always soot mites there's always soot mites exactly just like weddings and funerals I feel like you just you always send ward on those you're like alright put a mop head on top of him up you go a mop head and like a little spear to stab the soot mites he can't breathe and all the soot mites do is just yell expletives (laughs) fuck you (laughs) fuck you guys I love this fabulous new word what? No, no, because they, they jump out and they form into one body that's like shaped like a human and they run like this, so their arms <laughs> wave on either side, just yelling expletives as they run off along like the, the tops of buildings to go and find another chimney. Oh you gosh. can't kill them, you can only just displace them. <laughs> so wait, the, the quote-unquote infestation in London, it's just one. It's just one. <laughs> Same one. It keeps going around. Well, well hear me out, right? This... If it's a collective of them and they're not multiplying or decreasing, they're just 
dispersing. You keep chasing them out until they all congregate into one massive chimney Big and might. fall for yeah. the Megamite. <laughs> Not the Megamite. Yeah, sure. You, had, you recently, It says words like, we've never even heard before. You guys recently... He starts swearing in different languages. <laughs> you guys recently had a really Shizer. big fight with the Megamite at, in the the top chimney of a brickery. So like one of the huge chimneys had taken up like living in there and it was it was brutal and bad and you think you've taken a few years off your lives of what you breathed in during that fight. uh, But you've now like cast it out of London. I reckon as well, if they congregate enough of them, the soot can then heat up and maintain like it gets fire powers (laughs) if there's enough of them. Kayla, why are you making this worse Uh, for us? It's already done. It's so cool. Alright. Olivia. Yes. So the rooftop has had an entire pergola just pop out and it is covered in wisteria. Mm? It is just like, it's got wisteria like twirling up it and it's like purple wisteria. Yeah. Um, But it's like an almost purplish pink wisteria. It's very much her colour. And um, underneath there's just like, you constantly have to sweep all of the sappy like flowers away. But um, there's like all of these beautiful, I want to say like little white wrought iron tables and chairs and things so many bees just like so many bees bees. she's actually got an apiary up there at the moment um so she's actually currently cultivating honey (laughs) like yeah and yeah she's just doing beekeeping that's now her hobby there's also a bottle of homemade mead on the (laughs) shelf (laughs) i'll add to that heath is very unhappy about the wisteria because now he can't grow his stuff is like weed up there so he's now growing it in the back garden (laughs) it's once again don't touch it. Ebenezer, <laughs> don't touch it's it. It's also dying. His weed is fine because the wisteria is up on the pergola. So it's like away from where all the weed was growing, but it would which was on the side. Take sides. all the light. No, it wisteria wouldn't. Not on the side. So well, the, 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 um, I've forgotten what I called it. The, um, uh, it's like I balcony gave, rim? No, I gave the name of the actual, like, plant a name at some stage. Oh, okay. Um, but anyway, it, it grows people. in moonlight. So oh, it needs moonlight. It needs direct moonlight. So. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's called Moonweed. 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 And Olivia's like, honey's so much better for you. That's it. Oh, you almond mum. Yes. She is. Heath is very uh, chagrined to admit that he has a, a, a major addiction to his his fae his uh, fae cigarettes. Oh, he's no. like it's not getting. He's like you noticed over these months, he's gotten better around you all, but he smokes more than he ever has. <laughs> I think he's stressed by having so many people in the house. Oh, he God. just sits and chain smokes, and now like he's gotten Amelia onto it as well, and she's getting even worse with it. Oh, no. um, because she's just in agony all the time because of this arm. So anything to like dull that. And she's like, I think this might be worse for me. Oh, I'd like to add that there is a herb garden as well up there. So it's like basically wisteria up the top, herb garden down below with the bees. Okay. It's sure. just like another garden, but on the roof. <laughs> okay. So we find our full cast sitting in the backyard of the House of Many Faces, uh, the great oak tree looming overhead as you all are having afternoon tea. Hugo received a call and yeah, had between, to like, rush off to Tia for a moment. Um, so what is on the table? Can each of you quickly describe one thing that you're having with afternoon tea? Like pikelets, little pancakes. Pikelets? Uh, fairy cupcakes. Okay. Chili cheese with uh, crackers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Strawberries and blueberries. Okay. 
uh, Ward has personally made from one of the recipes in Weaver's magazines. Uh, I'm uh, Vespers. Vespers magazine. Well, same diff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's made little like uh, uh, little lamingtons. Okay. Oh. Very good. Aww. All right, you. They don't taste good. Down there, uh, I'm going to give you. 30 seconds or so of whatever kind of conversation you guys are in. So, how are the, how are the herbs going? Up to um, top? They're actually going quite well. Uh, well I done. am having a little bit of trouble with the basil, though. I might need you to come have uh, a look at that. I hate basil. Why? Sweet basil. Oh, no, like, I, I, I like it, but I hate growing it. It's so difficult. It is quite flimsy. But the the mint like is my, excelling. I'm glad that you like told me to put it in a pot, because yeah. that would have spread. Sorry. Hi, Hickory. Hating. Sorry. <laughs> now, Olivia, mm-hmm? according to this book I'm reading, small You're yellow it upside down. bears <laughs> like to eat... You're still Honey holding it upside from a down. Pot. That's now, do you have a problem with small bears eating honey from your pot? <laughs> We're in the UK. Never mind. Uh, only if they wear hats. Although sometimes they I don't think I've ever balls. seen a, a, a bear before. They look bizarre. This is Winnie the Pooh. It is a fictional character. Um, fictional? Bears do not eat there you honey go. from now pots. Now you're holding it the right way. It's wearing That's a little red shirt. That's why the bears look shirt. so weird. Not this one. That one's wearing a little red shirt. No. No, no. Let me lend you my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) He pulled it off. (laughs) Scene. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. Um, No, that's blue, surely. (laughs) All right, Hope, you are making your way back upstairs. All the others are still out in the backyard. Heath has gone back into the garage to work on the car till Hugo returns. Uh, You reach the main corridor where all the kind of main rooms are. It's basically there's three stories and then there's the kind of pergola area. So you reach this kind of first area where all the bedrooms are. Uh, And you look along and you see Heath's door at the far end. Over the past month or so he's taken two of the locks off he's hey. kept the one on but it is currently unlocked Take it down. And slightly ajar <sighs> oh I just I got her I got her so she just walks up and just can you say that into no, your microphone no Thanks. I won't no I won't BJ you can't make me um she is going to not stealthily at all she's gonna walk really fast past the door and then walk backwards and then just kind of keep going back and forth being like no no I'm not walking I'm just walking back and forth <laughs> she's slowly like like laser scanning like oh creating God. a 3D yeah, map of the room <laughs> <laughs> she's like no 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 she's like as soon as I stand still he will appear that's how it works <laughs> you hear the sound of him curse downstairs he's dropped something okay alright she will then ever so slightly just Bap the door. Okay. The door swings open slightly. Uh, Heath's room is both strange yet rather ordinary. A little bit underwhelming. You were kind of expecting it to be just like an entrance to a forest yeah. or something like I was that. I expecting House Moving Castle kind of vibes. Um, it is incredibly cluttered with things. The room is easily the largest out of the house. There is a king-sized four-poster bed in the middle of the room. It has scarlet curtains that are drawn back to the wall. 
The bed is covered in hand-knitted blankets, Egyptian silk throws, and just every type of blanket you can kind of imagine just piled up there. Feather stuffed pillows with like a few feathers sticking out, and there is a cat sleeping at the end of the of the bed, in a pool of sunlight coming in through the large window on one side. Great black curtains are drawn to either side and tied. The glass is rather dirty and dusty, so it's just like this bar of light coming through. You can't really see much out of it. Um, Upon the floor are many different types of rugs with different symbols and writings on them. There's a great closet hanging open, dozens of different jackets, shirts ranging from powder blue to silky purple. Boots and shoes beneath it. Jackets are more round. Next to it is a drawing desk, one of those ones that kind of like and like lock it closed. Roll top one. It's got a bunch of uh, pieces of parchment and like piles of ink. uh, um, What are they called? Ink stoppers, blotting paper. Is that what you mean? No, the little containers. Little containers of ink. There's a bunch oh, yeah. of quills. Ink yeah, ink wells. There's a bunch of quills there. Um, upon a hook near a slightly open window sits a very large crow. It's like three times bigger than like the average crow, and it's just sitting there and it stares at you and like clicks its beak a few times, like ruffles its feathers a little bit. Um, <laughs> it peers at you in like a questioning, just like. Mm, tough way. Uh, there are many desks and drawers. Um, there are maps left open. Um, there's a few bookcases filled with old leather-bound books. The main thing that you're noticing is basically on every surface, every inch of square p- space, including floor, there's just piles of books, piles of pieces of parchment. There are just maps laid open and just every little square surface. And on these, there's like candles, there's potted plants, there's like vines like connected to the roof that come down just draped on the floor and next to them are candles. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just like all this type of stuff. Eee. It's just everywhere. There's got to be like a vine that's wound around and like holding a candle up. Like it's, it's being held by the vine. And, and there's a part of it that's gently swaying. There's like a part of it that's strong enough that he's stacked books on as well. <laughs> Hammock. Um, and then right next to the bed, there's a small desk and there's a record player and there are piles of records up to the ceiling. These are like 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, clearly like Warwick's influence of like Warwick's era of music, just piles of these vinyls. Buddy Holly, the Drifters, the Righteous Brothers and more. Yeah. Um... Something else you notice as you make your way further into the room, uh, every square inch of wall is covered in paintings. These are old gothic oil paintings. You see a few photos as well. You uh, peer over and you see a photo, a similar one, maybe a few years older, of the one that Olivia looked at with Hugo. It is of Heath and Donovan and Hugo and Darnell with Warwick standing over them. It is their kind of graduation picture of sorts. Uh, you look along and you see another one of Heath with Emily Bell. And this is a Heath a bit closer to the Heath that you remembered. And then you come to one other one. And this is very much the Heath that you remember. It is a photo of him, Charlotte, Anne and Emily Bell on what seems to be Christmas Day. Uh, is quite a young Heath and they are watching him unwrap a pile of books that are bound together in twine. Uh, you see beneath this picture is a small little box and is filled with different types of rings, some wooden, some metal, all unique. 
but above the painting is what you're drawn to. You see, hung up on the wall, is an old plague doctor's mask. Alright. She looks at it, um, rolls up her sleeve and looks back at her. Tattoo kind of nods. Guess one thing hasn't changed. Okay, you turn back and you see the cat is still laying on the bed and it rolls over and like creaks one eye open and sees you and like slowly rolls back onto its stomach, still looking at you. Hey, kitty. <laughs> and it disappears into smoke and is gone. Oh, no. Oh, kitty. And the, the meow like echoes like <laughs> Just turns to look at the bird You're not going to do that are you? That's all it does Right I shall be going then Don't I don't know if you can talk Don't tell him I was here Okay bye You turn back to the door As the cat is now walking back through the door Leading Heath as Heath comes to the door looking at the cat and then looks up to you and the cat just like stares up at you and then like winds its way around his legs as he's now seeing you as well. It's like purring at him. Snitch! (laughs) (laughs) Snitch. Door was open. Wanted to pat the cat. It looks down at the cat. How'd you go of that? Didn't work. No, Aoife does not like people touching or being around them. That's why he hasn't left. And he's like nudging the cat back into the room around anyone here. And like shoves it back in and goes, Meow! and jumps back onto the bed and gets back into the light and just glares at you. <laughs> yep, fair enough. I'll, I'll, sorry, I'll go. I'll, didn't mean to invade privacy. Um, <laughs> dies of embarrassment. <laughs> She knows she's not meant to be here. Hope also explodes into some mist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, you're uh, making your way out when he calls back. One second. Okay. And he, he crosses uh, through his room and you make your way back kind of to the, the door. And he crosses over and he picks up a book from a pile like near the ground. And he tosses over a few times and reads it back. One quick thing that I want to, to talk about, because it regards all of you. Yeah, sure. Attempts to lean against a bookcase and then like some books start to move. She just yeah. stands normally. All the vines just move. Yeah. It's crazy. The vines pull back a little bit from you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really playing up my like negative one to charm here. Uh, Heath is standing slightly in the beam of sunlight that's landing on his bed and he pauses for a second looking out and says I feel I don't know I feel at peace for the first time in a very long time talking to you about everything that happened I know what I did was right. And you see him now, you see his wounds are nearly all entirely healed at this point now. It wasn't the good thing to do, but it was the right thing. And I trust that they'll come to see that one day. But for me, I think I'm ready to move on. 
I'm going to go into Tia tonight and talk to the heads and the master. And I'm going to plead my case for them to finally accept my resignation. Fully. It, we, it means I won't be your guys' teacher anymore. Hell, I don't know what they'll do with this place. I'm sure they'll let you keep it. But I'm fairly sure it'll be okay. I've been thinking, I've, I, you know, like gesture, I read so much. Maybe worth stop running all over the globe and start actually writing some of the stuff down. Because Warwick always said how much he always wanted to write stuff down, but he just never had it. He was never, he never thought he was good enough for it. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's my lot. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe it's my job to remember that stuff. Remember it, not be. He walks up to you and he pulls his sleeve slightly, revealing a tattoo, a matching tattoo, a plague doctor's mask coming from a crescent moon. I think it's time that I start being better. Be the man I used to be. He smiles before handing you a book and walking past you. And you see there is an old dusty copy of a picture of Dorian Gray. And he points back at you as he's going downstairs. You should read something for once. No. No, that's Vespa's job. I draw, he reads. But for you, sure. Uh, you're gone. Um, hope you make your way further along um, <laughs> along the passageway holding uh, the book. When you pass Olivia's door, there's also left ajar, and you see Vesper sitting alone in his armchair by the window. You also notice something that you had heard the night before through the wall. You notice that all of his books are in boxes, piled in one corner. Picking a new room, are we? Just decluttering. I have too many weight loss books, as your mother always tells me. I can't lose weight. We've been telling you that for like four years now. A boy can dream. <laughs> like stick thin, like <laughs> ghost boy. I can dream. He smiles before looking out the window again. Um, Hope leans against the doorway. Well, I got a new book. Think it's worth reading? She like frisbees it to him. <laughs> he doesn't catch it in time. It flies past and he like peers at it. Smut. Don't like it. Oh, I'm into it now. <laughs> no. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you have disapproved. It's mine now. across the room. <laughs> you come back Sprinting, and you, you pick up the book. <laughs> it's not good. It's... Nah. I mean, it's a clash, but... Um, hope. Yeah. You're doing a lot of practice at the moment. It's good. You'll get better at shooting, my dear. I know you will. That's the goal. Sure hope so. Ebony has just walked past the door. Thank you. It's in your blood. You just need to tap into that somehow. I'm not sure how, but you'll work it out. Yeah, blood. I don't know what that means. It's it's meant to just be genes. 
But jeans sound like pants and sound less romantic. Yeah. I mean... Anyway, your point? Just saying what I want to say. So don't, I don't mean anything. There's no greater meaning behind it. Just, But you know, and you just use like nods towards the book. I heard this story once and I've been wanting to tell you it for a while. The way I heard it, it's a very old story. A man comes to this woman several times. First, he brings her something called a braw snuff box. It's a fancy box of tobacco. Mm -hmm. Nine times opened, nine times locked. And he'll give it to her if she goes with him. She turns him down. He then brings her a silken gown. Nine stripes up, nine stripes down. It's hers if she'll go with him. She says no. He brings her a nine-stringed bell so that she can summon her maid whenever she wills. She says no. Then lastly, he returns and he offers her gold. To comfort you when you're old, he says, if you come along with me. And she replies, these are fine words you say, so mount up, lad, you've won the day. I'll go along with you, my dear. They'd scarcely ridden a mile when she spied his cloven heel. I rue I come with you, she says. I'll never part with you, my dear. And they, as they were galloping along, the cold wind carried her mournful song. I rue I come with you. I rue I come with you. I was told the story when I was moving through a rather ancient area of Scotland with my brothers. Uh, a woman at the bar was singing it. I asked her what it was about and she said it was the devil's courtship. It's an ancient song, similar to how, you know, music, um, how we don't know the original version of House of the Rising Sun. Mm -hmm. It's a similar thing, thing for them. It's this ancient story. I don't know. I don't, I don't say this to dishearten you, my dear. Just an old man wishing you the very best and to keep your eyes wide. For the devil wears many faces in our line of work. Long-winded way of you saying you don't like Heath, I'm gathering. Fair enough, fair enough. I would never be so brazen. <laughs> he goes back to his weight loss book. <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. I get it. Look, I'm not rushing into anything. I can barely speak to him. <laughs> and I'm not talking to mum about it. Because... Oh gosh. Not talking to mum about it. Makes you feel better. I wouldn't want to talk to Olivia about it either. <laughs> Good. And I, and, I have not, and I have not. Excellent. Good. And I shan't. Excellent. All right. Very good. Bye, I guess. Enjoy sorting books. 
Bye. Bye. Goodbye, Hope. We return now as dinner is placed on the table. A celebratory dinner of roast potatoes, two flame-grilled chickens covered in garlic, butter and thyme, a salad grown by Ebenezer, charred fennel, homemade yogurt, fresh bread and more as Amelia has finally returned from her operation. Arms still in a sling with a few stitches, but finally doing better. Uh, she's still a little groggy, but very happy to be home. Uh, Heath brings up about 10 bottles of wine from the cellar uh, below. One elderflower, one peach, the other's dust-covered reds. He begs all of your pardon before uh, donning a large jacket. He hefts up his training chain and weight that he often uses to mimic spells for you all. And he says, I'm going to tell Warwick about it. I think it's a good idea. I think Tia should adopt it. And he like drops in, makes a loud thunk on the ground. I know you all love that sound. <laughs> he reels it back up and he gives you all a salute. Fond memories. Fond memories of me. <laughs> Hope salutes back. Um, uh, he's wearing um, uh, just black trousers, belt, his typical wickle pickers, um, a white singlet tucked into a, uh, his pants, a short sleeve shirt, like one of the button up ones. It's kind of like a summery shirt and he pulls a large brown jacket over the top of it. Oh, Heath, sorry, before you go, um, ah, where was I put it? Uh, here. And he hands Heath a bolt. It's like, I found this in the garage. I, I thought maybe that was from working it. on the car. I maybe just give it to Hugo and Shoulders I know you're working on the car today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring it up. I just thought if you got to see Hickory, <laughs> when you found it, I wanted you to put it back. Not on the floor. It's fine. I need to go speak with the heads of Tia. I won't be long. Hugo should be along in a little bit. Save him some food. I'll see you all later. Break Pour him leg. a glass. Hickory, don't drink it. Uh-huh. He gives you all a salute. What does he like? Whatever you're drinking. What does that mean? He gives you all a bow and leaves. All right. Uh, What's some of the stuff you're all talking about over dinner? Uh, Ward picks up a potato and just to the table, just... Now, what do these taste like? It tastes like potatoes. But what does that taste like? Soft. Well, that's a texture. Mm. Buttery. They don't have a strong taste. But what do those taste like? What does dirt, buttery taste like? What does dirt taste like? Yeah, I can can make you eat the dirt if you want. I don't, I don't think, like, I can't even, and he, like, puts it to his face. Imagine, like, warm snow. And he just smashed. That's that's actually not bad. That's not, yeah. Like, warm, Warm comforting snow. He's being facetious. He doesn't want any type of answer, Amelia says, as she's like, I know. stabs the potato. She, he's I just mean, talking so that he can talk. I've missed this, Ward. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, good to know. And we've missed you, Amelia. She, like, stabs the potato with a knife and, like, well, tears it open. Go on, then. While we're here, who had the better food? Us at the hospital. The hospital gave me jelly whenever I asked for it. Ooh. That's a step better. Uh, well, we I can, mean, we can make look, you a big had, bat. If the we hospital had was quiet. Yeah. Cool. Well, that it's must have been nice. nice. It was very nice. Quiet Change and of pace. sterile and white, I'd imagine. Clean. Clean. Didn't smell like soot mites. Sounds ghastly. We have been having a lot of showers. <laughs> I noticed. I went upstairs. The water is going to be high <laughs> this month. <laughs> I went upstairs 
and I thought someone must have re-grouted the bathroom. No nope. black grout. Nope. Did not. It's an improvement. It's just a. Um, that's true. It's even now. Yeah. Wear flip flops when you only shower. halfway up though. Yeah. Does someone oh, have a plant or wart? No, just a lot of soot. What? You said wear flip flops. It means like people've got plant of wart. Just so that you're not stepping in everybody else's soot. Yeah. I'm not in a uni bathroom. <laughs> I feel like you people should clean it. We do, we've been trying. <laughs> we have been trying. You saw the grout. <laughs> 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 uh, there's a clatter at the, at the door as Hugo flings it open. He comes up to the table and he brandishes the hunter's sword. Uh, finally done, being checked over by Anne for enchantments or curses. Oh, there you go. Have a look at it, kids. Hey! Olivia's oh, going to go for it. Yeah, yeah, he, he passes it to Hope. He's like, oh, parse it round. Now. Not bad, not bad. You lot have a bit of explaining to do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> He caches, I can, he I can probably it. explain it. All right, this is mine now. <laughs> really? Wants it. I, doubt, I doubt that. He casts a facetious eye over you all. You knew I was coming. You haven't even opened the peach wine. <laughs> What's wrong with you? It's like, can uh, I saber it? Yeah, you... you pop, <laughs> your glass, sir. You pop it open. Uh, the glasses Thank of the are really large, ostentatious glasses. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're like the size of your whole hand open type of thing. They're very similar to the ones we have at the table. Yeah, these are these are. Huge <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Wow. Good job, Herb. Nice. nice, that was worth it. Good job, Herb. You're welcome. Lovely. How did you manage to spill tea when we're not even drinking tea? While this entire kerfuffle is yes. happening, Olivia is going to Thanks, softly Michael. take the elderflower sure. wine and leave. Okay, uh, you're going to leave. Um, Vesper's going to watch you leave and he's going to kind of look between you and the party and he's going to uh, take another sip of his wine and he's going to lean back and kind of look around at everyone as the, the dinner is really starting to go. He's going to sigh and get back up. And follow after you. Um, all right, what's what's Hugo talking about? Right, so there was this one time, right? Oh, please! Uh, it would have been five five years ago, maybe six. Not sure. Anyway, we're on, we're we're climbing this mountain, right? That's me, me, and uh, anyway, me and the boys. We're climbing, we're climbing the mountain, and we're nearly there. And we know up the top somewhere that's where this that's where this goat is. And we've been hunting this thing for like two days and we know it's up there somewhere. So we're climbing up and we finally get to there's this little overhang, you know, where it goes sort of more than vertical. It starts coming up over itself. And we know from the scouting we've done that the top of here, there's there's a flat plateau. So we're like, well, it has to have gone up there, surely. Maybe have another way up or something. So <laughs> we're nearly up there. And you know, those, those little climbing things, you know, you put in the rock and you put, we had a whole bag of those. And uh, and I, Hugo, as you're as you're telling the story, um, Olivia, you've kind of just reached the the uh, steps to start to head upstairs. Uh, She's just going to sit on the stairs. Yeah, Vesper uh, gets up and kind of brushes his pants a little bit, and he kind of glances around a little bit, and you notice seeing that he's a little agitated. And you keep going with your story. So 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 Heath reaches into the. <laughs> He reaches into the into the bag, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how whether his foot slipped or something. Anyway, he manages he manages to fall and gets caught by his rope. But somehow the bag 
flips over. So here we are, dangling 300 meters up in the air. We look down, and all of our climbing anchors just slowly tinkling away down there. And we're like, what? We're so close, and we can't climb up from here. Yeah, but I will never forget that moment. So we end up having to free climb the last 20 minutes, tw 20 meters. <laughs> anyway, we get up there. <laughs> and I don't know how. Okay. Yeah, so we're trying to free climb these last 20 meters. And he was fine. Of course, he's fine. And here I... It doesn't help me. He doesn't know. I'm hanging on by one arm. Anyway, we finally get to the top of this thing. And we're a little pissing ourselves laughing we look over and this this giant three-eyed goat thing that we've been tracking for the last three days is on like the next face over so the, the face we were climbing kind of splits into two and we were going up the wrong one and it's just looking there it's like you're <laughs> looking at us from the other side let's climb all the way back down pick all the anchors up and then climb and by then it was gone oh, oh i'll never forget that <laughs> why do your glasses look like fishbowls? There's why? What is wrong with them? Dinner has finally come to an end. Heath is still yet to return, but you have all moved on to kind of the, the next few bottles of wine, and you're all relaxing and just chatting. Uh, Olivia, you've just about finished the elderflower wine. You're sitting at that base step. The candles on the table are starting to dip low. Hugo chucks a bunch of logs onto the fire, which quickly catch. Vesper is still standing and he's kind of wandering around a little bit. And he tilts his head slightly. He tilts it again. Everyone? Yeah? Yo. Can I get a moment of silence, please? Uh, I wasn't talking. Okay. All right. I am now, though. Sure. Oh. So you go. You go. Walks over and stands uh, like next to Olivia. Everything kind of drowns out for a second. He tilts his head slightly. So, something wrong, lad? Can any of you hear that? Olivia listens. Can we? No. What do, what do we need time. to hear? I got eight. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ebenezer gets a three. Hugo gets an eight. What Five. You? Five? That's still enough. You just need to get a three or up. Oh. You all slowly look towards the door to the basement, the one sealed with dozens of locks. Something behind the door is laughing. <laughs> Vesper tilts his head back to the same side, and he's got a strange look in his eye he takes a few steps towards the steps that lead down to the basement he's looking down towards the door Olivia gets up and follows close behind Ward also follows yeah. you all kind of gather here and the voice comes now Hugo moves the opposite way and picks up the sword which has been lying yeah. by the fire this is the end of your days it's time we end the charade Open the cage I want to play. Olivia, no. take your people upstairs. Okay. Right. It's time for the bridges to blaze. Hope, come with me. Because I'm slipping into a craze. Now, move. Vespa, okay, come going. on. Vespa? No, he stays. Oh, oh gosh, okay. I want a taste. I feel my rage erupting. So please, feed my appetite. Distraction. 
Hugo points towards Ward, who's kind of frozen on the spot, not no. knowing what to do. Oh, no, you Ward, yeah, no, Ward is making his way towards the, the sound. Yep. You two, upstairs. Five. Hugo rolls his head. Olivia's Three. already going. Run upstairs. She's going to Hickory the coming. One. And We're he unsheaths the knife. All right. In that amount of time, I'm going to say that, Olivia, you've made up the start, like, those first flights of stairs. You're almost at, like, that second story bit. Uh, Hope is a bit behind you. With an almighty blast, the entire wall behind you, the one that faces the street, explodes in. AK is still in there. Ah, yeah. AK, so no. basically, uh, uh, you're going to roll. So if you roll under a six, you guys are going to roll a d20 of damage. Mm-hmm. If you roll over a six, a d10. Um, am I and Kate rolling because we are sisters? Um, no, you guys, we find the rest of you uh, a layer like while you guys are moving and Ward you were moving closer towards the thing so you're actually further away from it but we'll just leave it as is so what was everyone's rolls and what were your damage my entire body is quivering um, hang on so that's yes. is that six and below six and below right cool I missed the mark just I rolled a ten and Ooh. then for damage I rolled a two so from Aye. the last my character uh, sorry it's just ears for you yeah <laughs> Hickory's leaning on the table and then he just falls back <laughs> and hits the ground. Ebenezer rolled a nat 12 and only takes two damage. All of you who are, who were in the room, so who was in the room? So Ward, Ebenezer and uh, Ebenezer Hugo. Was gone. He was Ebenezer's gone, so Hugo, uh, Hickory, you guys who are still in that room, you were all blasted down and you guys are shell-shocked. Um, what are those who have gone into the, the stairway doing? Now you've basically heard this explosion and seen all of your friends behind you get blasted to the ground. Because the explosion did not come from where you were expecting. It did not come from that room. Um, Olivia's going to look towards where the explosion came from, like peer down. Yeah, okay. You guys uh, spin around to look at what's happened because the explosions come from an entirely different place of where you're expecting. And you all watch the guys who are on the floor kind of roll over and look out. There is just dust in the area. The entire front of the building has been exploded in. Rocks are all over the place, huge bits of brick and wall. And it's just dust. And there's a sound of footsteps as a man comes through the dust. He's wearing a wide-brimmed hat, a black poncho, black denim jeans, riding boots. And he's wearing, uh, he's not wearing a shirt underneath the poncho, it's just his arms. He's quite a thin, skinny man. And he comes and he's wearing a black metal mask over his face. Um, he comes in and he's kind of like looking around a little bit as you guys are kind of just shell-shocked and starting to work out what's happened. And uh, Vesper stands up in front of you guys and he reaches to where he has the hunter's blade behind him. And the man in the black mask tilts his head slightly and says, Let's just deal with this right away. He clicks open a smoke bomb and swings it around him. It is pure black. It washes over the entire room. And Vesper drops to his knees and screams in absolute agony, clawing at his face, at his skin. He screams and screams. And Ward, as it touches you, you scream too. The pain washes over you. And Olivia, you taste it on the air. 
you realize this is powdered mountain ash. Vesper dematerializes and the knife drops to the ground and the man scoops it up and drops it into a, bla- a bag full of mountain ash and he tucks it behind himself. Wonderful. Ward, the pain is just washing over you over and over and over. There is no escape from it. And just some parts of you, you're not sure how you do it. There's just, there's, you can't keep experiencing this. And you, it's like your mind just detaches from your physical body. You lose all use of your physical body until this pain, this mountain ash is washed, is like gotten off you or this gas stops or something. Your brain cannot handle this pain. It's never experienced something like this before and your brain just cannot handle being attached to this physical form that's causing it this pain. So you're just kind of floating ethereally just a few inches above your own body, just slightly out of your own eyes. The, you guys are like clambering to your feet and the man is counting. Would he see us? Because we were up the stairs. Like, If you're able to see him, he's like kind of leaning down to see you. One too many. He waves his hand and you see more people emerging through the dust. Eight more people. And he claps his hand together. Now, everyone, just chill. Be cool. Be cool. Hugo coughs and splutters and stands to his feet. I'm going to say his, his grip on the sword was so tight that he didn't. Yeah. He didn't lose it. Okay. <coughs> yeah. He stands up. He flicks his poncho a bit, and you see two revolvers as hip. He says, "Oh, there, cowboy. Right. This can go down sweet as a peach, or it can hurt real bad." All right, so what's then. it going to be? Get in line, or we'll put you in line. What are you here for? Aside from the obvious. It counts. Ba, 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 ba. I'm here for one Kelly, distributed separately. The blood of another Kelly. The blood of a herbologist. The blood of a bulwark, and so on and so forth. I don't really need a tear guy. Sorry, Heath. Sent by. He, like, puts his hand on his hips. It's a need to know basis. Right, right, right. I thought so. You see, as the other people emerge, he gestures there's four men and four women. One is extremely large, shaved head with a lopsided grin. That's Marble. He's a he's a deer when you get to know him. Another man with black hair and a long black coat, eyeliner and a spider tattoo on his face. Upon his shoulder sits a magpie. That's Spoken. Bit dreary, I'll be honest. Another man stands beside Spoken, cleft chin and a round face with peanut brown hair. That's Klaus. I just like him. He doesn't have anything special about him other than that. Um, he then points <laughs> to the girls. That's Fours. No need, to, no need to introduce yourselves. She knows everything about you already. You can tell that all the other people he hasn't introduced are mostly just mercenaries. All right. How's this going to go down? Oh, and he's <laughs> 
don't even know what it costs. Huh. I hit the ground and it go off. Yeah, hit the ground and it go off. Yeah, I can't take no loss. Yeah, I don't even know what it costs. Yeah, I hit the ground and it go off. Yeah, hit the ground and it go off. Yeah, yeah, run it, run it. Ooh, I really feel it's my time. Think it's my year. Yeah, yeah, I really feel it's my time. Think it's my year. Yeah, yeah, I really feel it's my time. Think it's my year. Yeah. Really feel it's my time, think it's my hand ready. Used to hold myself bad, my selfish thing damn padded. Gotta keep on sugar, ran through everything in front of me. Might smoke bed heavy, got a whole agenda. Can't aspire to get a hit, so bump that, it's no surrender. Got a dollar fifth up. I'm trying to get it an FT to get them when they hand and crypto. Learn how to fix that. I don't really hold out of books, but I'ma learn how to fix that. Some opportunities are never come unless you paying attention, so no, I can't miss that. Moving MVP, I got the record, I might have to pro something. Big jumper worthy, they gon' have to retire my jersey early. Whole crew coming, had to work something, cause I had nothing in my pocket. Yeah, I did all that Big plans, partners trying to make profits Yeah, I did all that Work, sweating, tears, breaking, even no ends Yeah, I did all that Had to make it happen Putting hours in my practice I did all that Yeah, I can't take no loss Yeah, I don't even know what it costs huh. I hit the ground, then it go off Yeah, hit the ground, then it go off Yeah, I can't take no loss Yeah, I don't even know what it costs Yeah, I hit the ground, then it go off Yeah, hit the ground, then it go off Yeah, yeah, run it, run it Ooh, I really feel it's my time Think it's my year Yeah It's my time, think it's my big dog, walking big top, young veteran. Living legend, bet I'm better than them. This is my ship. I'ma check it like let them in. Y'all better not let them in. They gon' rotate this so I keep the pedaling. Started a chain, the secular heavens, and this is from God. But I'm not your reverend, not in the pulpit. I'm a big pull in this element, yeah. Said you gon' pull up, then settle it, yeah. I've been married to this hustle. This is my ring, watch I step in it, yeah. And I ain't even got a yard, but I'ma get it here. Watch I touch down, pulling plans out the clutch. Everybody getting crushed, the cut down is for us now. Have to work something, cause I had nothing in my pocket, yeah. I did all that, big plans, partners trying to make profits, yeah I did all that, work, sweat, and tears, breaking even no ends, yeah I did all that, had to make it happen, putting hours in my practice, I did all that, yeah, I can't take no loss, yeah, I don't even know what it costs, huh. I hit the ground and it go off, yeah, hit the ground and it go off, yeah, I can't take no loss, yeah, I don't even know what it costs, yeah, I hit the ground and it go off, yeah, hit the ground and it go off, yeah, yeah, run it, run it, ooh, I really feel it's my time, think it's my year, yeah, I really feel it's my time, think it's my year, yeah, yeah. I really feel it's my time, think it's my year, yeah, yeah. I really feel it's my time, think it's my. Hugo stares this man yeah. in the eyes, rolls his neck, lowers his stance a little bit, shakes his shoulders, grips the blade, I guess. Grips the blade a bit tighter, lowers into a fighting stance, and he rummages his left hand in a in a pocket of his pants. He's wearing just like a brown like suit pants. And he pulls out a small golden colored crystal that's glowing very faintly. And he grabs it in his hand, grabs it, like squeezes it with all his strength and smashes it against his forehead. And there is this explosion of gold light just around his head and he goes, Gah! And his eyes are closed and he scratches it all over his forehead, pulls his hand away. And when he opens his eyes again, they are flaming gold and there are like gold vapor coming out from his eyes and he launches forward. Cool. All right. We're going to roll for initiative. Well, give me some rolls. Um, so that's a 10 to hit then. 10 to hit. Okay. You... Um dart forwards, you bring the, the sword around and swing it up and there's a ting as he pulls out one of his revolvers and 
pulls it to the side and the blade travels along it and the two of you come really close face to face and he says I should introduce myself it's just a cowboy bebop yeah. moment rise to the face my name's Clearwater and he punches you in the chest you take a few steps back and he pulls out Sullivan good to meet you he pulls out the other gun and clicks it back alright um, now it is uh, Spoken's uh, ghost the guy with the, the magpie he watches as a bunch of you are like up at the stair area and some of you are like turning to head back up it and he pulls out um, a piece of paper and he mutters something to himself and words appear in black ink on the paper and the magpie launches off it takes the piece of paper with him and it soars past you guys and the paper burns up and as you move past boom you hit into a force field that has been created at the top of the stairs he used some type of magic with this bird and this paper to create a field you can't get upstairs can't get further upstairs. Further upstairs, yeah. Can't you get into a room? You are a very, no. very long way away from your microphone. I cannot hear anything you're saying. Sorry, I, I was just... Yeah. yeah. Cool. Just check. Out of character. All right. Um, Thank you. Olivia. And I promise this time I won't scare okay. myself. Oh, let's, just, let's get that yeah. sorted and then we'll get into combat. Just to make this apparent for you all, if you haven't realized yet, these are like professional professionals. Yeah. Really? This is a kill squad. Really? <laughs> One so, of them would be a kill squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except, except for what was I'm his name? I'm in danger. <laughs> Claws. Claws. <laughs> for Klaus. Yeah, okay. Klaus. Okay. He's just Klaus. Uh, I does just like anyone Klaus. else want tea while Micah is serving everyone? I'm good, thank you. I'm yes, just please. waiting for him to... Uh, no, same as last time. It's perfect. Lovely. Just forgive me too much. <laughs> I, watched, I saw those eyes. Just like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it wrong. I don't do want to get sent home. fear in the what, eyes. What would I be here for? <laughs> okay, Olivia. Um, well, Olivia was running towards the room, so she's hit the force field. Yeah, you've hit and bounced off and yeah. landed on your back. Oof. Okay. Mm, looks like it's a dagger this time. Oh, it's a D12. Okay. okay. Uh, well, who are you near enough to... <laughs> Right. <laughs> are, you, are you the furthest away <laughs> out of everyone? She is the furthest Turns away, but considering yeah. that <laughs> she fell, like she's on her butt currently, so she's at a disadvantage because of the My force field. Yeah. So the D12 is just like, she literally just pushes herself back up. Okay. It's, it looks like a gymnast move. And then it's called she, a nip up, actually. Yeah, a nip up. Oh, she does nip a up. nip up, if anyone knows what that is. Um, I know what that is. And it's she, the cool Jackie Chan move. And she yeah, looks it's the Jackie Chan. Like the most, I don't know, the most disdain that she can muster at these people, wine bottle in hand. And she just throws it at one of them. She's like, Okay, you throw the rhyme bottle for me. Flag Meg. I didn't actually say it though. Mm, yeah, Flip yeah. you. Flip you. <laughs> right, roll for me. Okay, um, what am I rolling? Uh, just D12. D12? It was with the wine 12 bottle. that she. Okay, with the wine bottle. That was to. You were saying that you changed that to be getting up, so. Um, it's an eight. Eight? Uh, you throw it out and. Um, one of the mercenaries is like clambering over and it hits him in the, the shoulder and he like takes a bit of a step back and he sees you and kind of squints a little bit and he takes a, a few steps over and you see Amelia is uh, like half 
buried in like a bunch of, of rubble and stuff and he looks at you and he kicks her in the face and oh. knocks her out completely and tips his head slightly at you. Now Ebenezer. you're my target. Oh, wait, no, sorry. No, no, Ebenezer. All right, Marble and Fours go first. Um, okay, so, Ebenezer, what are you going to do on your go? Uh, I do have an idea. Do you I want you to tell me exactly what you're going to do on your go, because Fours is going to predict it. Oh. Oh. Okay. All right, cool. Can you spell Fours? It's a four S. Cool. Oh, uh, that's cool. Um... Okay, well, Ebenezer was going to grab a, ter- a little terracotta pot that's in the like the kitchen because he's up the stairs, but, he, you know, just around the thing, um, which has, like, some kind of monstrous Venus flytrap thing. Mm-hmm. And he was going to throw that at whoever the nearest person is and it was going to latch onto their leg. Okay. Because he, he has nothing. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have any... Anything. Yeah. Fours is like dialed in straight to you because she can see you taking a few steps and she puts her hand to a, like a utility belt and she throws out a small, it's like the size of a roll of film would be, a small little gauge, and she throws it to the side of the room towards where that Venus flytrap thing is and it explodes and you smell burning silver and sulfur. It is a silver bomb and it explodes and and kills the, the creature and ignites this corner of the room. How did you do that? And he just like looks wildly into her eyes like, how did you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, Hugo, you have like taken a step back and you're kind of bringing the sword back around and uh, let me just do something real quick. Okay, with a natural 12, you don't even see him coming as Marble come up, comes up behind you, hands together, up, and straight down, smashing down on your back, and drives you to your uh, knees, and you're going to take... Ba-ba-da. 25 damage. As you are smashed to the ground. And Olivia, you notice his hands have entirely turned to marble. They're entirely stone. And as you're looking at him, you're thinking, that's the gargoyle. That's the thing that was above. They've been watching us. Very good. All right. Uh, All right. So it's now... um, Hickory's got. Mercenary number one, I will name him Sebastian. Okay. <gasps> nice. Love oh, Sebastian. Sebastian. Little Sebastian. It's me, Sebastian. Klaus. All right. Um, <laughs> Klaus well, Ebene- Ebenezer, your kind of go was foiled by fours, so yep. we're moving on to Hickory. Cool. Um, so when everything was blasted off, are all the pottery, uh, sorry, plates, forks, and all yep. that on the ground? Hickory grabs, starts. <laughs> starts throwing bottles, throwing anything you can. Okay, roll a, a d6 for me of the amount of things you're going to throw this time. Three. Yeah, you're going to throw. You're going to throw a plate. You're going to throw a fork, and you're going to throw a, a wine bottle. No. <laughs> and um, just roll a d4 for uh, uh, yeah, d4 for me. Two. Two. Okay, you're going to hit the second mercenary and roll a, a d12 damage. Oh, 11 11 um, 
uh, he's clambering over the rubble as well. You realize, oh, this is Klaus. As <laughs> thunk in the like side of the head of the wine bottle, and he stumbles a bit, and he turns around, and the plate hits him directly in the throat, like edge of a twerp. And then sink the, the like the fork just stabs into his forehead a little bit, and he's clutching his throat. <laughs> it's like that meme where the dude tracks the dart and it sticks. <laughs> Mercenary to his class. Mercenary to his class. Yes. Um, all right, Hope. All right. She's going to pull out from the pocket of her hoodie Derek Harlow's gun. Mm-hmm. She's going to whisper, Come on, Derek, don't let me down. And she's going to shoot the guy that kicked Amelia. Okay. At least she's going to try to. Come on, Derek, don't let me down. And she's going to shoot herself in the foot. <laughs> oh, that's a six. Six, you Ooh. click it back, shoot, and you miss. Ah. It travels just over his shoulder, and he kind of beelines in and sees both you and um, Olivia in the kind of the same area, and he's kind of beating on both of you. Okay. Damn it, Derek! Um, uh, Hugo, you've been uh, knocked to the ground, and you hear a sound as Clearwater has pulled from his back and leveled directly at your chest. A shotgun. Okay. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, Hugo, I liked you. Do I get a reaction or something? You've been knocked prone, so this is going to be an armor check. Yep. It's not much armor. With a 16. Oh. He hits. You said my AC was 7. So, yep. <laughs> so with a 16, uh, yes. <laughs> he smiles and says, Expected a little more from the songbird and blasts it, and you are hit in the chest with a round of birdshot. As it sprays you up, I'm gonna roll damage. He's gone, 17 damage. He's still kicking, birdshot. Um, it blasts you in your chest and you fall back. If it was buckshot, he'd yeah. be dead. He clicks it and it shoots, the round shoots out smoking, and he puts in another one, clicks shots like, such a waste to use the uh, mountain ash ones on you, but it's got to be done. All right, Ward. Oh. We're trying to crawl back into the hellscape that is, that is his body right now. He has to fight through actual full bodily agony mm-hmm. to regain control of his body, something he has never had to do before. Nope. <laughs> so, uh... Is that just a straight roll? I'm going to say, we're going to treat this like this? saving throws. Brilliant. A perfect roll, you will uh, get back into your body. Mm-hmm. Two failures of below six, you are just going to be ethereal for this like entire fight. Mm-hmm. Two successes, you will uh, get back into your mind. Okay? All right. So, uh, seven and above. Seven and above. It's a nine. Nine? All right. You kind of, like, mentally just claw your way just a bit closer back to your body. And as you get closer, you feel the pain just emanating out, just this visceral, just, it's like this static hum. Hugo, it's your go. All right. Um, Hugo has been shot in the chest, point blank range with the shotgun, so he's not going to do good. Uh, 
I'm going to say if it was aimed like that much higher, it would have hit his heart and he'd be dead. Yep. He's still alive. You've been peppered. Peppered nicely. I mean, I mean birdshot is like, you know, it's, yeah. it's painful, just but he's, a crack he's of still pepper. here. It's a crack of pepper. Smidgen of salt. So he's just... And he's going to throw the uh, the blade, he's just let go, and he's going to throw it back behind him for someone else to take. It lands next to Ward's body. All right. Uh, and I, he's just going to try and stand up. That's about all he can okay. do. Okay, you clutch at your chest. You've been entirely winded. You can feel like all your ribs are shattered here. Just absolute agony. So you need to not use any of your chest muscles. You yeah. roll yourself onto your side. You see Marble standing over you. And as you're trying to clutter her, down, clutter her up, he reaches down and grabs you under your arms uh-huh. and lifts you up again as... Thank you. Clear water reloads. Uh... Yeah, he just like looks over his shoulder. He's like, "Thank you," and then he just looks at Clearwater in the eyes. And you see as uh, Marble goes entirely into the marble statue behind you. All right, it is Spoken's go. He's going to uh, look around the room a little bit, and he's going to who's he going to focus on? He's going to see Hickory throwing a bunch of stuff, and he is going to. Um, mutter something again and more words appear on this blank piece of paper and the magpie once again swoops off his shoulder carrying it carrying it uh, and Hickory I'm going to give you a chance Ooh. to break the piece of paper yes. before it reaches you Yes, because you're throwing stuff if yeah. you can hit the piece of paper and break it from the bird's grip mm. I'll give it to you you have to beat a 7 alright 7 hit oh, my, my brother and I used to peg things at birds all the time We that's how we got Tucker every now and then <laughs> Not for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. Natural one. You're like, you like, get your eye and it's like, this bastard's going down. You throw it and you hit Klaus again. Poor Klaus. Um, the bird swings forward and... My poor youthful flesh. Guys, the bird swings forward and presses the piece of paper Ooh. against your chest. And there is a loud like gong sound as you are blasted off your feet and smash into like the corner ceiling and fall back down onto like the kitchen cabinets and Basically lay it down. That, that that fight between Uguay and the the panther guy in First Kung Fu Panda where he's like uh, yeah. or consider yeah, the consider the sound effect in um, Attack of the Clones uh, when um, uh, the, the yeah. asteroid destroying one do you the thing so um, take a take a D12 damage. That is like my favorite part of that. It's, oh, it's what, so the good. Charge. Yeah, the seismic yeah. charge. Seismic charge. Oh. Oh. Silence oh, no. and then. The, right. Oh man, so good. Ten damage. That's not. That's not the good number that's you want. That's not the good number you want. The one time. All right, Olivia. Where's Ebenezer? Uh, Ebenezer is he's kind of just like back into back. the kitchen area. Yeah, he's just kind of. He's bottom just of stairs. Locks his eyes on fours and he's like, okay, how do I take her? Out? Yep. Okay. Cool. We'll get to that. But he's kind of out of the main area of fight, yep. so Olivia's not going to think about protecting him. Um, but she's got her focus on Amelia, so she's going to, like, slide down the handrail Zoom. and head towards... Like, she's so cool. <laughs> well, we'll see how she goes. <laughs> In the face of all this death, what will she do? Oh, wow, my mom's actually cool. 
Hey. Mom is actually Damn, my mom is cool. So is this to hit while you're trying to just get to her? Sliding, using the momentum, taking the dagger, I'm gonna try and stab um, mercenary number one, Sebastian. Mercenary number one, Sebastian. Wow. Okay, you uh, kind of leap off, and you're uh, you bring the knife up, and he brings his arms up, and you stab it through the two of them, like in the X, like straight through, and the two of you like clatter back and fall down together onto the ground. Nice. Okay. How much damage am I rolling? Um, what's your typical damage? Uh, I think it's a D12 and you took away my yeah, plus two. Yeah, just the D12. Yeah, just the D12. Okay. Oh, it's just a what? No, that doesn't make roll sense. Again. Just the roll, roll again. Roll again. Yeah. It doesn't work with my description. I should, do, no. I should do my description after I've heard the damage. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's an eight. Okay, so. eight, eight will do. Yeah, okay. He takes it and like uh, gives out a bit of a shriek and the two of you fall down onto the rubble. Um, Not okay. my cousin, you... <laughs> Just say, bitch. Okay. Uh, she nearly called it a tussle. <laughs> you think? Marble is restraining Hugo, so he's not going to do anything. Fours is peering at um, Ebenezer and then darts uh, her eyes around a little bit. Uh, okay, we're going to do a roll to see if she can predict what Ebenezer is going to do next, which if she does, Ebenezer will once again lose a go. I, I have a plan that's designed to try and stop her from knowing. Does that yep. mean I get so he's to what roll we're gonna against do. her or something? Here's what we're going to do. We're both going to roll a d12. Yep. If she's on the number, yep. next to or behind the number, she yep. knows what you're going to do. Okay. And if she rolls higher than me, then... Doesn't matter. It's about either being on the number, uh, yeah. next to or behind it. So the three numbers yeah, yeah. around whatever you roll. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. I rolled a four. She got an 11. All right. She has no idea. She doesn't know. So yes! Ebenezer's been... Wait, is it his go? It is his go. She attempted to to work out what you're doing, and you're right. smarter. So he's been looking at him, and he's like, hmm, hmm. Okay, I wonder how this works. Like, I wonder if it's seeing the future. I wonder if it's, like, a mind-reading thing. So his thought is, like, I can't beat her until I know how it works. So he's trying to do an experiment. And he uh, cradles his left hand in his right hand and he presses his fingers against where the last two fingers of his left hand should be, just the, the end there, and just presses down firmly. And he can't, it doesn't hurt, he doesn't feel anything. But he presses down and he just like focuses on the feeling and the pain of when he lost those fingers, when it was bitten off. Mm-hmm. He just focuses on that, focuses on that, and just stares her in the eyes and just like screams in his head over and over again, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? What am I going to do? You don't know what I'm going to do. What she am I going to do? She kind of frowns at you. So he's trying to like confuse. If it's a mind reading thing, he's trying to confuse. And as he does it, he just runs straight at her. Okay. Because he doesn't know what he's going to do either. He's like, I can't. <laughs> yeah, predict me if I don't yeah. know myself. Yeah, do like, a quick do a quick roll for yeah. me. So yeah. you will, you'll clatter into her with that roll, but yeah. roll something for me. Sure. Just D12. It's an eight. All right. You're noticing where her eyes are going and you realize she's looking at your shadow. More than mm. anything. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, you run towards her and smash into her, and the two of you. I'm gonna try and put her in a chokehold. You gonna try? And, okay. Once, because once he's there, he's like, "Oh, it worked." Uh, <laughs> go for the neck. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, is that like a strength roll or something? Yep. Get this far. Three. She got three, two. You two are tussling. All right, cool. <laughs> I guess he like knocks her like. Off yeah, she knocks. Just... You knock into her, and she like grabs onto you. And once again, same as with Olivia, both of you land onto all this gravel and yep. 
br- uh, she bricks have a and stuff. She does not. Well, I guess she threw a grenade, but, but she's got yeah, she's got her utility belt stuff. But yeah, yeah. Okay, Hickory. Alrighty. You clamber up off the deck ah! of the this cabinet. Um. So does this raven fly back to this person's yes, daughter? Yes, flies back. Beautiful. Magpie. Magpie. Hickory right, stands up and he he's got a chain that goes wraps around him, which uh, is his weapon, um, and it's got a little uh, the handle that he uses, and he flips it back over, and then the chain starts unraveling, and then he reads behind him, pulls out his kusurigama, and then throws it up as the chain's still unraveling, and it like slides through his hand as he's bringing it for an up and down. I love how he had that on him at dinner. Well, yeah, he's, he's just got it on. He's so cool. You know how like the, like people wear chains on them. And like, then he's had has an a evening suit on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. It's a party. <laughs> That's right. Um, and he's bringing it up and down to try and get at the bird. And if the okay. bird moves, gets the guy in the shoulder. Okay, roll for That's- me. I'm gonna say if you roll a, a six to an eight, you'll hit the bird. If you roll above that, you hit the man. Okay. Or would you prefer it switched? Would you prefer hit the man at Doesn't lower? Matter. Doesn't matter. matter. Okay. I got a two. Okay, you. Um, hey, that's I better. forget that's that better. there's a I ceiling. Shit, this is why I work in the field. <laughs> this is why I only fight outdoors. See, because he sneaks through the trees. He's so Damn used it. to vertical obstacles. Yeah. He wasn't ready for the horizontal yeah. one. Just didn't see it coming. I'm not in my element, boys. Okay. Um, Hope is your go. Uh, I will direct her attention to the fact that um, Hugo is about to be um, quite literally executed in the centre of this room. Mm -hmm. Tick, tick, boom. She is going to like her mother. Into your microphone, please. Sorry, sorry. No, I'm not. Uh, She is going to rush down and as she is running towards, because she's just hoping to get as close of range as possible, she's going to do the cylinder hmm? fire. But she only has five bullets left, yep. and that's all she's got on You're her. doing it at clear water? Uh, yeah, the guy, that's the guy who's shooting at Hugo. Yeah. Yep. 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 Cool. Okay, roll point. All right, number one, four, three. Two, one, let's jam. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Four. Oh, come on. Nine. <laughs> that was cocked. Nine. Okay. You, boom, 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 boom. They're going off to different directions. Two of them go close towards him, and he just tilts his head back uh-huh. and then forwards and avoids them. And he kind of turns his head to you slightly, and he says, Try the other hand, dear. You're a bit jittery of that one. Well, that's fanning for you. And he, and he looks towards um, Hugo, and he uh, kind of tilts his head slightly.
he shoots you in the head. Hugo fall and marble lets go of him and Hugo falls to the ground dead and Clearwater brings the the pummel of the gun up and choom, smashes it directly into Hope's face and knocks Ow. her flat Ow. I'll roll damage for you I assume uh, 12 hits you uh, yes <laughs> AC is 6 uh, 12 damage nice Blood just spurts out across the bu- the power uh, the back of the gun like as your nose is like shattered and you clatter to the ground entirely dazed. That's the that's the problem of getting into close quarters. Yep. Yep. By the way, I have already rolled an eleven. He saw me roll it, so I'm observing that. Okay. <laughs> cool. All right, Ward. Do it. That's two successions. Am I back? You call your way back. And he wrenches himself into his body. His hand reaches out and happens on the hunter's blade. Yes. He hoists himself up, still just grabs the blade, looks up, and he goes... I am the Lord of the field, and this is my domain! And a voice rings out over it. And this fight is done. And all of you direct your attention over as Clearwater has his foot on Hope's throat and the shotgun level directly at her forehead. It's done. Put down the sword. You see... Fighting through the guy's arms. Ward, he just steps forward. It's so slow, but he he makes he's 
everything in his power to just be here. If he stops, he will lose again and he cannot stop. He is slowly and he is shaking and he's trying to just get. Yeah. He kind of tilts his head at you. Hmm. Nice. And he pulls out his pistol, cocks it, and aims it at Hope's head. And he pulls the shotgun up and blasts. And with a... Uh, does a, an eight hit? Uh, no. It's it not doesn't. hit. Uh, he, uh, it's, he's got the one arm, so he blasts. Just through him, probably, yeah. if it's um, Hmm? Probably just go through him. It just goes through the clothes. It it takes off a bunch of chunks out of like your kind of core stem area, and he's like, and he like flicks, does the spin thing to reload. I'll wait till you're a bit closer then. (laughs) 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 It's easy. Um. Oh. Water's messing with my life right now. (laughs) You want to keep pushing this? You know Ward what? doesn't understand. That's the problem. He he literally can't just can't stop. Uh, he he gets one more step. It is very slow going. He is very far uh, away, mm-hmm. I imagine. Mm-hmm. So, but he does take yet yeah, another step. But the sword is just dragging on the ground. Yeah. He peers around. What's everyone else doing? Are you standing down? Well, Ebenezer was fighting with fours, so I guess if they're kind of at a stalemate, they would kind of have just stopped fighting and waiting, I suppose. I yeah, she stands back up and you say, sitting on the ground. Yeah. Olivia has... Let me just get back to my mic. Thank you. We're learning! <laughs> <laughs> Two seasons in, boys! Uh, <laughs> I'm not that bad. Anyway. I taught them well, my little <laughs> podcasters. Um, Olivia gets back up um, and pulls out the dagger from poor other guy's forearms, Sebastian. Sebastian. <laughs> and um, with my 11, can I try and do charm? On who? Um, so I've got a plus three to charm. Mm-hmm. So it would be a 14 for charm. But it's essentially a deception. So she's going to pretend like she's standing down. Okay, if you want to run the risk of that, then sure thing. So what do you do to make this deception? She's just putting her hands up, holding the dagger lightly. Let's try not kill Hope, guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would like to see season two, please. Hickory? Oh, it's One not a blue, is it? So is, I'm, I'm hoping that Clearwater yeah. is convinced that she is standing down. He's not paying that much attention to you. He's kind of just looking at the general group at hand. Do you want to go Hickory first? Yeah, Hickory. Okay. Uh, so what happened when he threw the thing, um, it <coughs> bounced off the roof and he got a general feel for how things were going. It bonked him on the head and he, <laughs> and he did a very <laughs> and pretended to fall flat over. <laughs> and now he's currently just laying there. His hands are oh, sort his of thing is stealth, right? Yeah. He's, he's playing possum. Yeah. <laughs> he's playing roadkill. He's so Australian. <laughs> oh, I love it. Doing his proud, boys. Doing his proud. Um, and he's got one hand loosely on the chain and then the other one re- uh, down towards his leg, but he's crouched up so no one can see what he's doing. How close to nice. Clearwater? Uh, he fell forward, but I don't know where I am positioned-wise. I got blasted back and then, I don't know. I think you're closer to Ebenezer than home. Yeah, they're kind of in the kind of kitcheny area yeah. a bit. All right. 
Was I? I no, I don't need yeah, to roll. So I'm down. Ebenezer is going to kind of realize that we're in a very tense thing and he doesn't quite know what to do. Um, and he can't really, like, attack because he's on the ground anyway. So he just kind of looks to Clearwater and he goes, Heath's dead? He looks over. What more do you want? Seems that way, seems that way. Because he's kind of, I would imagine, because he's thinking it's intelligence, he's clocked onto this thing that they think he's Heath, and therefore they think they've just killed the, essentially the unkillable prince of the Fae. So he's like, okay, maybe this, maybe I can use this somehow. Seems that way. But he was simply the snag. Now we can get on with the night's business. Which is? You lot. Lovely. I want you in a line. And I'll let go of her. On your knees, in a line, or and he looks over and with a 15 calls your bluff. Or I start shooting her fingers off. Fine. Drop the knife. No. And Australian, get up. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the look that Micah did was the most dead possum thing. Head <laughs> to the side, tongue out. <laughs> It was beautiful. Like one eye open. It was. Oh. Olivia does not Family drop the knife. She it. just kind of looks at him and like sheets it. Hope. Back again. Uh, Hickory rubs his hip. Ebenezer kind of shuffles back as well. Okay. Ward takes another in this silent, tense situation. Unbelievably loud step towards clear water. As he just. I. I oh, for fuck's sake. He, click, he clicks back <laughs> the gun and shoots with a 15 directly through the spine of your body and bisects you at that point. What? He falls down, clattering, and still reaching with his hand, he's clawing into the floor as he's just, you hear the wretched echoes of the hero I the hero face me you coward as you're doing this, Marble comes over to you and he picks up the hunter's blade and he grabs the two halves of you and chucks you into a pile next to the rest of your group. Clearwater steps off Hope's um, throat and steps aside. Nice job, sweet. And he is going to uh, kind of swish the poncho again, put his hands on his hips. Wonderful. Now, he looks at the group. You must be Olivia. Pleasure to meet you. Sadly, you won't be coming with us today. Not all of you, at least. Uh, hello there. Hope. Sweet of you to join us. Sorry to interrupt your dinner. Um, he uh, crosses over to Amelia, who's being pulled out of the rubble. Amelia! How was your surgery, dear? She's still oh, she, unconscious? She's kind of, like, blacking in and out. Yeah. And he, like, kneels down to her. I'm sure you're doing much better. Ward, buddy. He crosses over to your bisect halves. I, 
love to talk to you, but it looks like you're having a bit of a moment. He tries to swing for the legs. There's a nine at all. You like bang into his leg and like into his shin, but you don't have like the leverage or the power to like do anything other than just like grab, grab at him. It. It's basically and just half a broom now, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he continues on and you're kind of dragged for a little bit before he like kicks you off. Bastard! <laughs> um... Beat my level. He just like <laughs> kicks him like out the front of the house. Yeah. He kicks him off a bit. And it's like I think it's good that you can't talk too much. It's best if I stay real happy. People like you really annoy me. Hickory, how's the daughter? Wonder how she feels about Daddy being all the way out here. Go suck an egg, mate. He like gets down really close to your face. Hope you sort out that drinking problem. For her, at least. He continues on to Ebenezer. Ebenezer! Real shame about wasting that flower last time. What a specimen. People have given their lives for it. You let this lot use it for a troll. People have died for it. So many. Probably too many. Best to let them all burn. He crosses the room. All right. He looks down to Hugo's body. Shame, shame. Would have liked to have worked with him at some point. All right, Marble, go fetch it. The giant man strides past you and down the stairs to the locked door. He smashes off the locks and bolts with a hammer. He tries to touch the door, but a field around the door lights up and knocks him back. Allow me. Spoken mutters. He pulls out his notepad again. Like a flower born by the sea. Wither and decay before me. The words appear in black ink across the pad, and the bird carries it and presses it against this area of the field. And there's a doom sound, and the field burns away. Marble goes to touch it again. Not yet, Marble, says Spoken. It has six more fields first. He really didn't want anyone getting in. He does this over and over and over, burning away layer by layer until they're all gone. Marble reaches out and pulls open the door. Before you all is a black void. And within it is a single light bulb illuminating a small stand. And on that stand is an old clay pot. He goes in, he picks up the clay pot and he comes out without it. Fours makes her way down from upstairs, Olivia, carrying all of the stuff that was in Vesper's box. She pats it into a backpack and gives it to Spoken, who also takes the pot. All right. Now, boys and girls. He takes another canister from behind him and clicks it on. You see um, all the people around you, all the mercenaries, switch on gas masks. It's a bright purple gas flows through the room 
Ward, you are pulled into a makeshift bag. Uh, one of those ones like a potato sack. You're pulled into it and they it shut. And you realize that there is something woven into this bag. Silver. You cannot feel anything outside the bag itself. Your ability to experience stuff is cut off. I would like to make uh, one last, mm-hmm. probably very foolish decision. Yep. Good. Uh, <clears throat> however you want this to go, whether I, in the bag, can still speak. Yep. Exactly. Or as I'm going in the bag, uh, I want to... I want to, if I can, grab onto Clearwater again. Mm-hmm. If I can't, I just want to point at him. You can probably point at him. He's <clears> not near you. And shout, Ice! To call the two ravens to attack him. Okay. The two ra- uh, ravens launch off. Um, they've been kind of hanging around outside, not sure what to exactly do because you haven't been around. And they swoop towards him and... Um, you kind of forgot the fact he was wearing a metal mask. Right. They scratch at it and they claw at it and he kind of stays there motionless. They pull off a part of his hat and scratch at the skin like the top of his head. And he kind of tilts his head a bit and says, Really, Ward? I thought I heard you enough. And he reaches up and he crushes Hugin in his palm. And he waves Mugen off. I imagine I'm in the bag. Now. You're in the bag. Yeah. And he pauses, says, No, I'm not much of the forgiving type. And he pulls his gun out one last time and shoots Mugen right out of the air. All right. The gas swirls around you all up into your noses, down your throats, and you begin to fade. One by one, you clatter to the floor, one after the other, until it comes to Olivia. You're fading in and out, and Clearwater comes and backhand slaps you across the face. Not you, sweetie, you've got to stay awake. We're not done with you yet. One by one, the group falls asleep, and they are dragged to a van waiting outside. They're held in the back with the rest of these items. Except for Amelia. Spoken comes and pulls her out of the the rubble and takes her to a separate car. Loads it up. It's name's door. Clearwater turns to you. Must hurry along now. He uh, is kind of patting around. What we really need, we need the sacrifices. And he's telling you guys, and we need about a bucket's worth of her blood. So find a beam, hang her up, slit her throat, slit her wrists, and just let her bleed out for a bit. The others nod and uh, make their way over towards you. And you see Fours pause. She's kind of looking outside. <laughs> she tilts her head slightly. Was that Hickory that did that? <laughs> no, I'm pretty like sure I'm unconscious. He made that joke in his brain, like as he's falling asleep, he's like, <laughs> pause, pause. <laughs> um, she tilts her head slightly, and with a natural 20, there's someone coming. Another operative. 
can't quite see who yet. He's about a block away. Clearwater clicks his neck. Oh, I don't need the heat for killing a second tier operative. This is already going to be a bit of a scene. Meh, can't be helped. All right, we'll load up. Spoken, you'll meet me and then we'll head off together. All right, take her downstairs. Use her as bait. Get the other one down there with her. Kill them both there. Bring me the blood. Nice job, T. <laughs> he classes. Bu- he bumps yeah. on his chest oh, yeah. and makes his way to oh, the van. No. Spoken gets into the other car and they drive away, leaving Olivia. Okay, um, Olivia, you're kind of just blinking and reeling from what's just happened when you were kicked fully in the face by marble and you go clattering back. Boom, boom, boom down the steps to the basement. You clatter your way down and are sprawled along on the basement of the concrete as the seven other trained killers make their way down towards you. They begin uh, making their way around the basement area. Um, Marble grabs you and drags you and throws you onto one of the training mats. Uh, They're searching around. One of them finds a rope. The other one finds uh, a plastic bucket and a few other things. And they're looking around for an area of where to hang you from. Fawz is kind of rubbing her chin a little bit. She's still looking off towards uh, the top of the, the building. She's, everyone's down the basement here with you. She's kind of pondering, it's like, yeah, she's a bit too strong at the moment. She like nods at the other mercenaries. Breaker. Two of the other mercenaries come over and one kicks you once again in the face and the other one grabs you by the arm and pulls you up. Uh, and the other uh, knees you like in the side of the head and you clatter back down onto the ground. Uh, I'm going to roll some damage for you. Oh, how kind. Thank you. How much health do you have? No, I'm not telling you how much is the damage. An eight, a two, and a three. So we'll say the eight is for falling down the stairs. You said you have 40 health. Spurs! (laughs) You ass. Um, Uh, 13. So that's minus 13 HP. Yeah. Okay. She's kind of tossing her head from side to side she seems kind of agitated about like something she's trying to search for what's about to happen next above the logs that Hugo placed on the fire have rolled off now and they're beginning to catch on pieces of wood remains of curtains in the rubble and they're going up and starting to ignite more areas of the area that the um, exploding grenade lit in the first place there's quite a, a large amount of fire we slowly drag across the floor as a pair of black wicklepinkers step through the rubble and they come slowly to Hugo's body they pause there for a moment before continuing on Marble comes to uh, fours now he's holding the bucket and the ropes we better get to it don't want to be out here too long she frowns for a moment and she says no and he kind of peers up what is it what do you see oh she says what 
All the mercenaries have kind of nursed now and they've left you and they've kind of gathered together. They're facing the stairs that lead up to the main room. The fire is spreading. And there's a loud as all the power is switched off. And there's just this wall of fire at the top of the stairs glowing in. Falls slowly turns and looks at Marble. He says, What have you seen? She frowns slightly. We're all going to die. As they all look up to see a man silhouetted against the blood red behind in the doorframe. There is loud as he drops a huge weight with a chain tied to it. And slowly and surely the devil starts to descend the stairs. Sun's rising, the revelations blind.